I consider myself a little bit unusual in that the thing that I discovered that really lit me up as a young man was the thing that I was lucky enough to spend my life doing. Welcome to Unleashing Your Great Work, a podcast about doing the work that matters the most to you. I'm your host, Dr. Amanda Kroll, a cognitive psychologist, coach, author of the book Great Work, and the creator of the Great Work Journals. Every week on this podcast, we're here asking the big questions. What is your great work? How do you find it? And why does it matter whether we do it? What does it actually take to do more of your great work without sacrificing everything else? And how does the world change when more people are doing more of the work that matters the most to them? Stay tuned for answers to these questions and so much more. Charlie Gilbert is a writer, composer, educator, and theater maker who specializes in musical theater. Given my lifelong fascination with musical theater, this made him an obvious choice as a guest for this podcast. And while this episode is chock full of little musical theater tidbits, it's also a beautiful look at what a lifelong dedication to great work looks like. Charlie has been doing musical theater since he was a young man in college with his friends. In 1979, he wrote Assassins, which was later produced by Stephen Sondheim and won a Tony. After working across lots of different behind-the-scenes roles in musical theater, he started an undergraduate musical theater program at the University for the Arts in Philadelphia. His experience as an educator and artist led to the development of a signature pedagogy for musical theater performers he calls the Savvy System. And for the last 10 years, he's been a composer in residence at the Enchantment Theater Company. Listening to Charlie talk about the fire he still has in his belly and his hopes for even more success in musical theater was inspiring to say the least. Let's welcome Charlie to the podcast. Welcome to the podcast, Charlie. Hi, Amanda. It's great to be here. Well, I am super excited about it because I've been wanting, I've been seeing you from afar. Uh, we have some friends in common and I've I've just sort of been fascinating ever since I saw you're a savvy singing actor and tried to figure out what it was. Because I was like, what is this and who are you? And here we are having this conversation. I'm super excited about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This will be cool. It will be cool. It'll be distinctly cool. So tell me, Charlie, a little bit about your great work. Well, Amanda, like you said in your in your intro, my great work really all revolves around the musical theater and and mm -hmm. specifically making original work for the musical theater. That that was kind of the the vision that I had when I was uh, like a in my twenties, my early twenties. I discovered that that was the place where all of the all of my passions and all of my talents really kind of seemed to come together. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, so for a few years after grad school, I was uh, a professional. I worked as a music director and I was in, in a theater company in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. And I quickly discovered that it was hard to make a living in that field. And, and so mm. I just through that, I, I went on to discover, I think, what turned out to be another part of my great work. And that was teaching other people or preparing other people to do what I do. So I've spent a lot of time 
as an educator working with young artists in particular who have dreams of being in, in the musical theater. And I've been doing it long enough now that I can point to certain young artists and say, wow, these are, these are people that I was lucky enough to work with and, mm -hmm. and encourage and enable and, and, and pass my gifts on to. So that's another part of, of my great work, I think, is being a, being a teacher and helping other people to find their path into the musical theater. But it all really has revolved around this thing that, that, that I, which luckily for me excites you so much, and that is the <laughs> musical theater. <laughs> yeah, I do love it. So were you a theater nerd growing up as well? Were you always at the theater? Did you watch the movies? Like, how did you get interested in well, it? I was... Yeah, I, I was kind of a, a music nerd growing mm. up. I play, I played uh, piano and uh, made up uh, songs and so on from the, from the time that I was a little kid. And really discovered theater in, in high school. Had a great uh, theater teacher in high school, uh, and that was really the first time I was in a school situation where I had access to that. I kind of grew up in the sticks. Mm -hmm. uh, but once I dis once I discovered the theater in high school and then in undergrad and so on, I just I couldn't get enough of that experience. The uh, the uh, kind of camaraderie, the you know the the idea of people coming together to make something uh, that was uh, very powerful for me, and and uh, and I wanted to do it as, as much as I could. And and I guess I, I consider myself a little bit unusual in that the thing that I discovered that really lit me up as a young man was the thing that I was lucky enough to spend my life doing. Mm hmm. Right. Right. Which is not always how that turns out. But what what part of it in particular do you love the most? So it sounds like you well, the pieces that it sounds like you do music and lyrics. So you're a composer. Yes, I'm a composer, a lyricist, a songwriter. Mm. Uh, I've written uh, scripts as well. Uh, you know, I, I'm fascinated by storytelling, telling stories mm. through through the theater. Uh, my graduate degree is actually in stage directing. So as a stage oh. director, you're kind of a, a manager and oversee the process of, of creating a musical theater production. And then uh, that led me also to do some work in in producing, working with on the, you know theater festivals and working with a little bit on the business side of getting works to the to the stage. I've self-produced a couple of my own shows, including one that one that was in New York. So it's taken a, a lot of different forms. Sometimes it's a it's a uh, I, I find it's a little bit hard to explain to people who I am because who I am kind of has a lot of different uh, dimensions to it. So to say, I'm a director, or I'm a pianist, right. or I'm a songwriter, or I'm a you know, educator, or whatever. I'm 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 a hyphenate artist, <laughs> uh, which I I find now in in the work that I'm doing increasingly common that people are embracing that idea of being kind of multi hyphenates uh, rather than just being one singular thing. Um, mm -hmm. Maybe the I downside like to call those of that slashers. is they're slashers. Yeah, slashers. I'm a, I'm, I'm <laughs> definitely a slasher artist and and maybe one of the things that that's meant for me is that uh I, I kind of move around between a bunch of different fields and and perhaps that means that i haven't had the kind of focus that would lead to greater accomplishments in one single area you know hmm. if, I, if i just kind of stuck with one thing i wonder whether i i might have uh, gone farther say with being a, a pianist and music director or a composer and lyricist, but I've always really in, in, uh, thrived in in the kind of multiplicity of, of identities that, that I've had, um, and and they all really feed into each other. My teaching, 
my artistic practice, the sort of solitary work of, of writing and, and composing and playing, they all really, they all seem to, to feed each other and sustain each other. Mm-hmm. And the thing you started out talking about was the feeling of camaraderie, of coming together. Do you feel like you've had that experience throughout your career? Were you able to maintain that original spark in the work that you were doing? Um Yes, and it, it, luckily, and it's taken a lot of different forms over the years, but uh, with any given theater production, of course, you come together very intensely for a period of, you know, the pre-production and the rehearsals and the, and the run of the show, and then that ends and you, and, and you move on to the next one. And uh, I, I really, uh, I like that environment. That was kind of my first experience uh, where my social life happened as mm-hmm. a young person. I, that was where I met my wife. That was how that you know, relationship mm-hmm. began, uh, was, was doing a show together. Um, after I got out of grad school, I was in a theater company that was formed by some of my college friends. And uh, so for two years, we were really, you know, people with a shared vision and a, and a shared passion. Uh, when I went into teaching, there was always that, you know, the sense of uh, colleagues in an academic department. Uh, so there was always a team of people that worked together. Uh, later on, I had the chance to build an academic department where I, you know, mm-hmm. I sort of started out with the idea we were going to, we created a musical theater program in, in Philadelphia at the University of the Arts. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I was invited to do that uh, in uh, 1990. And so over the course of 30 years, hired a lot of uh, a lot of colleagues recruited and brought in a lot of students and, and watched them go through that program. So that was really very much a, a very powerful experience. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then uh, you you mentioned you you read the bit in my bio about enchantment theater, and that's a that's a now an artistic partnership that I've been involved in for ten years, where I've been making new work with a group of people and we, and we, and we, we have such a great uh, vibe together, such a, a kind of artistic shorthand mm-hmm. uh, you know, way of working, working with each other where we're able to speak truthful, speak honestly to each other, you know, both in praising and criti- critiquing each other's ideas as we bring things forward. And, and as a result, that's a, that's a really special uh, uh, set of relationships that's, that's emerged out of that. Mm-hmm. So yes, I think a community, has always been uh, a very powerful part of being in in the theater and and in music and the the performing arts for me. Mm -hmm. And you said those two that you mentioned, building your department in the Enchantment Theater Company, it sounds like, you know, without too much knowledge, but it sounds like those actually benefit a lot from your your slasher-ness. I, I think so. Yes. I mean, I mean, luckily at, at an enchantment, although I'm composer in residence, I mean, I, my, my fingerprints are kind of on all aspects of the work in, in, in development, mm-hmm. um, in the, the project that I, that I'm currently involved in for them. I actually haven't written any music, but I've adapted a, a story using existing music. And a lot of the conversations that I've been having have been about storytelling and dramaturgy and how the music kind of feeds into the story that, that can be told. Um, so yes, the fact that I had this kind of constellation of different skills and perspectives has been really useful there. Certainly in the musical theater training program. I mean, that's a situation where in a, in a performing arts college or in any kind of college situation, things tend to be a bit siloed. You have your theater department, 
you know, which in, in, in turn has its acting faculty and yep. its directing faculty and its movement faculty. And then you have a music department and you have a dance department and everybody's kind of in their own little silo. And, and the thing that I was able to do as a leader was you know, kind of in, inhabit all of those worlds and get those people talking to each other and, and get the students kind of moving uh, more fluidly between those areas mm -hmm. and because of that i think that you know we, we all had a had a great time and and made some very exciting work that's a quite the feat in academia academia loves its silos yes yes that, that, as you have some firsthand experience with that yeah, yourself. So, <laughs> so you know everybody wants to like protect their little area of expertise and 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 that was the thing that i that i quite enjoyed was just getting people to try to understand each other's worlds a bit more and luckily i was i was able to build my department largely from you know from scratch which meant mm -hmm. people were brought in with the understanding that this would be the culture in in that department and then mm -hmm. later on uh, i got uh, i got promoted to the dean of the of the theater school so i was not dealing not only with the musical theater people but the but the you know technology the lighting designers scenic designers playwrights everybody and and, and trying to bring that uh, that philosophy of uh, you know really being open to each other's fields was was an important part of, of my leadership style when i did that mm -hmm. did you feel like being a dean removed you from the front lines of the artistic work or and did you how did you feel about that uh well a, a little bit. I I kind of made a point, uh, especially in the summertime when things were slow, was uh, mm -hmm. the, of, uh, that I would pursue artistic projects. Also, was very fortunate to be in Philadelphia, in a major metropolitan center where there was a lot going on, and so it was possible mm -hmm. to, you know, work uh, at school and then at you know three or four o'clock go down the street and. Uh, Get ready to, to do a show at, at, at seven or eight p.m. or go to a mm -hmm. rehearsal or, or or you know there there was a it was surprisingly easy to do to do that um, and unlike other other school situations that I've been in over the years we had something really uh, remarkable in, in Philly at the University of the Arts. Yeah, for sure. So I have a question, and I think it. I hope I can ask it in a succinct way. We'll see. Um, I don't know. You've probably seen the movie uh, Tick, Tick, Boom that came out last year. Sure. Yeah. So in that, Jonathan Larson, who, well, I don't remember who played Jonathan Larson in this, but the the character of Jonathan Larson was talking about how it's to be a musical theater creator, you have to be sort of obsessed and that no one but other musical theater creators can really understand the degree of obsession required in order to take an idea like, I, I don't know. I, I feel like I wrote a book. No, I don't feel like I did write a book, in fact. And it was a, it was a full creative experience, like that tiny seed of an idea. And you have to like spin it up and work it out and tell the stories and ask for help. And, but that's not, that's like just words on a page and not, that there's nobody dancing. There's no like horn section that has to be <laughs> wrangled. And I'm just curious, like, do you agree with that? statement that I guess was pulled from Jonathan Larson's play, maybe not so sure how it all came to be, but I was just, I was sort of fascinated by that and it felt true. And I'm curious if you have felt that too in yourself and in other creators in this space. Well, um, let's see if I can 
answer that succinctly. There's, there is a part of the work that is very um, solitary. And, and Jonathan uh, was uh, a person who kind of did it all. He was a composer and a lyricist and a, and a playwright. And so a certain amount of his work was solitary, like you sit mm -hmm. alone in your room and you make stuff up. And, and, and I've certainly had that experience uh, as well. And, and I've had the experience of writing a book, which is, again, that, that, that sort of solitary, you just mm -hmm. go back to the, you know, your desk every day and you do some more of it. Um, but what makes creating work for the stage so interesting is that very early on, you start to talk to other people and work with other people. And so mm. you've got maybe, a, a, even if you're the person who, like me, is writing the words and the music, then you've got a director you're talking to, or maybe you bring a couple of actors together and they read your stuff and they talk mm. to you about that, or you give somebody a draft to read and then they they, they begin to give you some feedback. It, it quickly becomes um, a group process. And that was true for Jonathan too. And, and, and the movie kind of shows that he had his confidants, he had his mm -hmm. trusted pal, pals and uh, and uh, supporters uh, along the way but it really does require a sort of obsessive I guess I really identify with the, with that part of, of the story which is the guy who was just uh, obsessed and is not going to let go of that idea even in the face of discouragement even in the face of you know, you look around and you see where do I, you know, I don't know where I fit in this in this scene or in, in this world Mm. And uh, and and no, I I I like the tick tick boom. And of course, one of the things that's very memorable in that is that at the very end, uh, he, he puts his play on, and then he gets a voicemail from Stephen Sondheim. Right. And he says, <laughs> he says that was good. Keep going. You know, I really I think you're a talented guy, and you should and, and you should do more of that. Yeah. So I so I mean that that that, that movie that musical. Um, spoke very personally to me um i i had actually a funny kind of uh, contact with, with jonathan larson back in, in in the 90s when he was still alive and be, and before rent uh, wow. and actually we read one of the very early drafts of rent so it's really been interesting to see uh you know how that all became first of all how that that came into existence and then the tragedy of his death and, yeah. and, and the, you know, right. the immense success of the, of the work that's been uh, that that's been an interesting thing for me to, to see through from from the beginning when it was just some guy you know some young guy in new york who wanted to make a musical uh, that was kind of like la boheme and right. everybody was going, what? what 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 that's a, that's a weird idea <laughs> So funny. I, I want to follow up on the Stephen Sondheim piece in a second, but just to say that Rent was my high school experience. Rent was what made me like, I was also grew up in the sticks, the country side of Ohio. And it was, Rent was my first experience of like a really visceral, different way of looking at the world that just, I agreed with Every song, every, you know, I could only listen to it. I couldn't watch it. I could only listen to the CD. Mm -hmm. I like still have the CD somewhere. Mm -hmm. It was really important to me. And I feel like it, it really is the reason that I have such a long lasting fascination, no involvement, sadly, except for when I was in high school doing shows um, with musical theater. So I'm a little blown away right now that you <laughs> got to see like an early draft of Rent. That's super exciting. But that's not the only similarity. I would just say I still have as a memento a little audio cassette 
of like the demos of three songs that that he been like the first three songs he was sending out to people because he was trying to get it produced before you know New York Theater Workshop came on board to do that. He was just sending it out to people and networking and doing that thing that you do when you're a writer and you're you know no, nobody's doing your stuff. You just you're reaching out to people and pitching them the idea. So I was one of one of the people uh, and and the theater company in Philly that I was working with got pitched this idea. And we we had the chance actually to produce an early workshop of it, and we passed on it. We said, uh, not it's not for us. Sorry." You know, mm. and in, in retrospect, it's like how how dumb was that? You know, if we had only had a you know the ability to see into the future, we would have said, right. "Yes, yes, of course." All of this us, would, this, <laughs> would, be, this would be brilliant. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Well, so similar. So there's a story in here that other people have told me about you, which is this story of the assassins. And I don't understand it. So you can you please explain to me what it, tell me how it started. How did Stephen Sondheim get involved? Like it became a Tony award-winning musical. Tell me the story of assassins. Sure, sure. Assassins was actually, uh, I wrote a musical long before um, Sondheim knew about it. Uh, But when I had gotten out of graduate school and I was working with my pals in Pittsburgh, I I wrote a musical. I had an idea to write a musical about presidential assassins. And I had my a a colleague who was was my boss and said, go ahead, write it and I'll put it on. We'll put it on here at the theater company, you know, an an incredible gift to get Mm -hmm. at at that at that point in my my mid 20s. So so I did. And and it was produced in, in Pittsburgh in 1979, this musical called Assassins. And then after that production, I was like, okay, so what's next with this idea? And and so I uh, I, I had a script and a, and a tape that I uh, was starting to send to some places and I submitted it for a, uh, uh, a program in New York that was trying to match up young writers with mentors. Um, and so I was one of the finalists for that. So my work made the rounds of the mentors, and that included Steve Sondheim. At the time, mm. I didn't know know that. This was like in the early 1980s. Uh, and the program never happened. They decided, ultimately, they could, it was like the organization that was trying to promote this idea couldn't get it off the ground. So they returned my stuff to me and said, thanks very much. Sorry it didn't work out. Mm. You know, a couple of years later, fast forward to like, I think we're talking now 1985 or 86, I go to my mailbox one day and there's a note from Stephen Sondheim that says, hey, whatever happened, what did you ever do with that Assassin's musical? I remember. Wait, I I'm sorry. It. You came home one day and there was like a letter in your mailbox from Stephen Sondheim? Yes. Now, wow. How improbable is that? What did you think? <laughs> what went through your mind when you were like, did we like, well, I don't know, maybe you don't point, even remember, you know, but I... I Feels like well, one of those moments where time. So, stands so many still. things, but I mean, I, I, I had I, all, all my life, uh, you know, I really uh, idolized Sondheim as the person who, better than anybody, does the thing that I dream about doing. Mm. And so, it, to to discover that uh, letter in the mailbox, and then to have a conversation with him on the phone, and eventually go to his house and sit in his living room, and so on, it's like, <laughs> like being struck by lightning, you know, right? You, you know how how improbable was that and then that he he and and john weidman who i also uh, know and admire john is a is a generation younger than than steve and a, and a little closer to my age but mm-hmm. john was also somebody whose work i uh, really admired and to have these these two artists make something um that was uh 
was powerful and and although not maybe the most hit success Broadway show ever made, you know, it's it's not Rent or Les Mis or whatever, but it's certainly it's been done all over the world for the past mm-hmm. thirty years. Uh, and and to think that that all happened because you know I had an idea and Sondheim read my script and the, the idea kind of st- stuck in his head and you know and uh, that and everything that happened after it's so improbable yeah. that that all happened but it did and as a result you know when when Assassins is is produced now my name appears with the auth- other authors' names um, they've both been very generous about about giving me credit for that acknowledging my contribution to that over the years and i get a little tiny piece of the author's royalty as well so i've made a, a little bit of money from that over over the years so that's how nice. that all worked out wow what a story what a what an amazing experience um and so you really contributed kind of like you've had a lot of accomplishment you know you've you have this assassins, you've created this in theater company, you've built a whole school and now you, you're doing something new and different again. Can you tell us about your current endeavor? Well, um, my, my current endeavor, this is, I'm I'm on to the next chapter now, which is my like post professor life. You know, Mm -hmm. I I put in a lot of years as a teacher, which has earned me, you know, a, a pension and a little bit of uh, financial stability. Nice. And uh, I'm trying to now use that in, in in this chapter of my life to get back to my great work to do mm-hmm. or to continue or to figure out what what to do with this idea of you know that I've uh, kind of chosen the, the the musical theater as my field of endeavor, and I still feel like I have great ideas and 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 work to do. So I'm. Uh, Trying, trying to figure out what, what, how exactly to handle that now. You know how, mm-hmm. how to proceed with that. Um, one of the things that's that's strange about, strange and different about that is, uh, you know, the last couple of years of my teaching career was was COVID, was the lockdown. Uh, oh yeah. And so, and so my teaching career really ended on a kind of decrescendo. You know, things. Mm-hmm. You know, it was just like me ta- me talking to some students over Zoom, and then <laughs> you know, finally when I retired, it was like an email to the provost, and she said, "Have a have a nice life." And, you know, <laughs> uh, but but there was there wasn't the, ever that feeling of like something momentous had happened, yeah. and then we all kind of set, got to celebrate that and, and and that. So I kind of tiptoed out of teaching. It, mm. it felt like. That's anticlimactic. And, uh, uh, yeah, and, and into a kind of exile. I mean, at the same time, we just, we decided, my wife and I, because of uh, yeah, needing more space and, and wanting to do some different kinds of work, we, we moved to a different place and kind of moved away from some of the, the, the people and, and the networks of, of uh, support that we had in, in, in Philadelphia. Mm-hmm. And we're, I know, now we find ourselves questioning whether that was really such a smart thing uh, mm. to do. To do so. Um, in the meantime, I'm trying to uh, kind of promote my my musical theater endeavors from you know, in, in a more solitary way or in in, in an individual and entrepreneurial way. Mm. Um, I wrote I wrote and, and and published a book that was a lot of. Uh, Kind of distillation of what I had been teaching in the classroom for thirty years, and so I've I've uh, now I'm, I'm uh, 
marketing that that book i'm doing uh workshops and like online classes and and actually getting back to doing in-person workshops in january i've got some in-person stuff coming up again with that uh so i'm still trying to share the fruits of of what i'd really uh made as as an educator and i'm and i'm making i'm making new work for the stage and i'm also revisiting the work that i made over the past 30 years to see what of it is is worthy and what of it still has some life in it some energy in it you know because mm -hmm. um i found that in in the course of making new work you can always move on to, to the next project you like you do one thing and then you put that on the shelf and you go on and you do the next thing and you never really go back and like tidy some or at least i didn't go back and tidy things up and make it so i could send it out to a producer and, and mm. read it so uh, i'm doing a lot of kind of revisiting the material in, in my archives um writing stuff out that wasn't written out getting recordings made or getting proper recordings made to send things out to try to you know to to move that uh, that my work as a musical theater maker on to this next chapter mm -hmm. if you could wave a magic wand which i don't have i'm sorry to say but if we did and we could wave it what would happen what would you like to see happen for your work for your great work what I'd, I'd, I'd like to see happen is I'd like to see theaters produce shows that I've written, both things I've written in the past, and then mm -hmm. get on board with uh, these projects that I have for, for, for new things that I'd like to do. Mm -hmm. And that could be, you know, kind of anywhere. I mean, I mean, I'm in a position where I can, I can sort of go where I please now. You know, mm -hmm. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not tied to a desk or a job now. Mm -hmm. um, so I'm, so I'm, so I'm ready to do that. And, uh, and that, that was, that's what would happen if, if that magic wand got waved. <laughs> so what are the things that have to happen in order for that to occur? Someone has to what? Well, somebody has to uh, know about my work mm -hmm. and then, and then, hear about the kind of the specific project that I'm that I'm pitching and, and say yes to that you know that was the thing all those years ago at uh, at, at theater express that made assassins happen was I had mm -hmm. an idea and I and I you know turned to my at that point this was my buddy that I was working with every day and I said I have this idea and he said yes and that and that that led to uh, my assassins musical and then so many years later to Sondheim's and so on so I'm just I'm I, I need to pitch people and I mm -hmm. need for them to say yes. Mm -hmm. So all of your, so you said that to bring the two things together, you said that you had written a book and you have this sort of entrepreneurial endeavor, which is savvy singing actor. That's what it is, right? Yes. Yes. So yes, I, I, I developed a, this, a way of teaching, uh, a way of thinking about musical theater performance when I was, was a teacher that uh, seemed to really resonate and, and, and help a lot of uh, my students uh, over the years. And so I, I, I wrote a, a book based on that and it was a, a it seemed to be uh, different than anything else that was in the, in the marketplace in terms of my approach, partly because I was this kind of slasher artist, you know, hyphenate <laughs> uh, writer, composer, director, performer, musician, person. Mm -hmm. um, and, and, and I, 
and there's a, a tool that I made that goes with that's something called Savvy Cards, which is a, a you know the book describes ways to use these these cards that are like trading cards or flashcards and and how to use them in your uh, in the practice room or in the rehearsal room or in mm. a voice lesson or in a you know or so on. They're, they they and 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 the initial feedback that I've gotten both on on the book and on on the cards you know has been encouraging but on a small scale as I've mm-hmm. done workshops as and clinics and and the online demonstrations so I you know I, I keep trying to find more ways to bring that out into uh, out into the world as well mm-hmm. so that's like a that's really a marketing endeavor and so really yes. is is yet getting your work made Yes, so much of what I'm doing now seems to be uh, revolve around around marketing ideas that I have, uh, yeah. you know, and 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 trying to get the attention. I'm mean, like waving my arms, to, oh, <laughs> yeah. you know, doing the, doing the social media version of waving my arms to try and get people's attention and say, "Hey, check check this out." If you really if you could give me a minute, uh, you 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 would probably really find this exciting or useful or interesting, and mm-hmm. and finding that the. the as you know, the, the, the world is a noisy place and everybody's distracted by a, a million different things. And so getting mm-hmm. that message to the world is a, is a challenging uh, endeavor. Mm-hmm. And that's a great segue to a question that I have, which is, you know, doing great work is, a, is, is also just a challenging endeavor. And this is one of the reasons why, right? Because you have, at least in your case, you, know, you create something and you want the world to receive it. And you have to make them even know that it exists in order for them to receive it well. And I'm curious, what were the other, this, uh, maybe just talk about this one or others, like what are those struggles or challenges that you found? I mean, you've accomplished so much. What advice can you give to the rest of us about doing great work and staying in it even when it's hard and returning to it? How How do we do that? Well, uh, that's a, a question that I, I think I'm asking myself daily. Some of it is is mm. persistence and, and and stamina, just kind of going back to it again and again and again, and 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 not giving up or not abandoning things in, in, entirely. Mm. So to keep to keep going, that's I mean that's that's one of the things that that I've uh, that I've found or learned, and and luckily I've had. Although I haven't had like blockbuster financial success or, or recognition, I've gotten encouragement. Luckily, uh, starting starting right on the home front, my my wife is very encouraging. Uh, uh, has always been a very, of of what I do. My colleagues, mm-hmm. my my close close friends, I'm very lucky that way. So, to to surround to be able to surround myself with people who are encouraging. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's all that's also a i think a a big part of uh of being able to keep being able to persist being able to to get up and do it again the next day mm-hmm. um and and uh i i think i mean you 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 talk about it a little bit in, in, in the great work workbook as well it's just like you get up in the morning and it's still this still there like, like that <laughs> fire in my belly is is, is yeah. still there to do that um and and for whatever reason nothing's nothing has happened that's really extinguished that yet mm-hmm. or said okay you don't you don't have to worry about that anymore i don't yeah. know why that is but i i feel 
lucky that that's there because that gives meaning to me. even as i look ahead to my you know my 70s and my 80s and like what am i going to do with myself there's no shortage of meaningful things for me to do even if nobody else pays attention to it you know mm. uh, or or you know it's, it's limited sorts of ways I'm, I'm finding you know different ways to do that i just I, I wrote a, a bunch of scripts for a, a website that uh, the, that presents uh, musical theater educational materials. You know, mm. I've, I've done done this project with uh, you know en enchantment now for the for the Philadelphia Orchestra using music of, of Edvard Grieg. So odd things come along, and 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 I can say yes to them because I don't necessarily need to make a bunch of money and support mm. my family and and you know get my kids through college, which was. The, God, God, that was the the big challenge of my thirties <laughs> and forties and fifties that I that I don't face now. Yeah, right. Well, that's a really interesting point. So, and and in doing those things, how does it make you feel? Really, what I'm asking is, what's the joy in this for you? Well, well, the joy certainly is in those individual moments of of creation where you like get something on the page or you you you. you uh, write something down or record something or share something, you know, and you look at it and you say, Hey, I think that, I think that's good. And then somebody comes back to me and says, yes, like I just, I just shipped off these five scripts to England and, you know, and the email came back, Oh, your work was brilliant. And you were so easy to work with. And you really obviously are a master of your subject matter. And we and we'd love to work with you again. And, and, and nice. so, on. so that, so the, the joy is, partly in looking at a job well done and partly in getting the confirmation, affirmation from others mm -hmm. that, that yes, yes, it is good. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's great. Well, I would like to know for my own self, but, and you may not have the answer to this, but if you do, what can we do, all of us, the many, you know, hundreds of us listening to this episode right now, what can we do to support your work? How can we help you? How can we wave our arms on your behalf like what can we do and how can we learn more about you well i i certainly uh built uh, some some things on on the internet where you can learn more and and and, uh, and find out about these things i have a an artistic website which is chazgilbert.com where you can you know look at my work yeah, read more about my my story and and my artistic work, and then hmm. the savvysingingactor.com, which is the the site that I built, which is really about uh, for people who uh, who are training to perform in musical theater, as well as teachers and coaches who work with them. I think that I'm, I'm really finding that in in particular, there uh, there's a generation now of, of teachers and coaches who are really responding to to what I have to to offer because they're looking for ways to teach this material um, in, in the classroom. Mm -hmm. So that, you know, certainly to, to check those, those things out and, and for, for people who want to make more of a, a deeper dive, the, uh, uh, the, the savvy book, the savvy singing actor is available there on the, on, on the website, but also on uh, Amazon and all the mm -hmm. other digital places where, where you find books and you can uh, check that out and, and learn more about that. I've got work that is being performed this this spring. You mentioned in in the bio, mm -hmm. the uh, Enchantment is back on tour this spring doing Harold and the Purple Crayon. So there are places all over the U.S. where people have an opportunity to to hear that music and 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 see that work. And uh, and then uh, 
I have a, a mailing list where I'm all, you know, mm-hmm. talking to people who are in that in, in that in circle of interested people about what I've got going on. So, you know, re- you can reach out through through the website. Yes. And uh, if it doesn't yet, is there a touring page on the Enchantment Theater Company website that we can link to in case people want to see Harold and the Purple Crayon? You can yes, give it there us. is. Okay. There is, and I'll uh, I'll make sure that that uh, you got that to put in in the notes for this episode. Okay, that's great. Thank you. Well, I just want to thank you so much for your time. This has been so interesting, and I can't well, wait to see what you do next. Well, thank you for your for your questions and for your interest. I've loved talking to you about this, and uh, and this has been great, great fun. Thank you, Amanda. Thank you. Hey, if you're enjoying this podcast, you've got to check out the Great Work Community. The Great Work Community is where change-making entrepreneurs make drama-free progress together. Come on over for a co-working, accountability, coaching, and just-in-time courses. Check out the Great Work Community. The link is in the show notes. Thanks for listening today to Unleashing Your Great Work. If you liked what you heard, please subscribe and leave a five-star review. And make sure you check out my book, Great Work, Do What Matters Most, without sacrificing everything else. It's available everywhere you get books. See you next time on Unleashing Your Great Work.